0: god rob i do not know why we even took this job i i don't even like water it's not worth the money i
1: cannot believe we keep getting ourselves into these situations i mean what is wrong with us
0: really i i don't know it's not it is not worth it this is just so stupid who gets onto a ship for money (sighs) i don't want the money this is so stupid people are like dying right and left this is so stupid and I don't even know why they're done. It's just
1: like this weird lightning going through the ship and then all of a sudden there's robotic arms everywhere. I
0: don't know oh, I don't know. this is so stupid. what is, do you hear that there's like something pounding through the door Rob. Right? Oh,
1: yeah I, through the door. I thought that was my head, but it's not it, it's
0: not no. my head. no, it's just this cat. Oh my God, it's coming through It's like what? a fucking robot. Oh man that, with, uh, Did we hideous. So,
1: Did we end up in the Terminator
0: somehow? What's going on here? I, I don't know but look at the face, it's got like a human face, actually it, it's the face of our engineer played by William Baldwin, not Alec Baldwin, the more talented of the Baldwins, but it, it's his face you're on right. a robot. You're right, and that's his, that's his chest or part of his chest? Who does shit like this? Oh my god, he's got a gun, what the hell? Uh, um, Mark, uh, it, who? is that? I think it is, uh, it's his, it's his dick. They put a dick on... They put a Baldwin dick on a robot, and it's not Alex, I'm pretty sure, because it would be much bigger. But look at it, it's still a dick. Who would do such a thing? I don't know, and that dick... Okay, I know um, he's got a gun, but that dick's getting... Like, there's... He's it's getting an erection. It, it's definitely getting longer, yeah. Why is it getting... Why would the robot body mashup be getting an erection right at this point in time? I... Is that... Uh, it, it's oh, it's glowing. Oh, oh my god, it's firing shit. Out ah, ah, Oh my god! Oh god. my god! Damn! Ah. It singed my ear. That thing means business, and not in a good way. We
1: gotta get the hell out of here. Uh.
0: It has traveled across time and space—an energy force unlike any in the universe. It is powerful, intelligent,
1: and it has found the perfect planet to inhabit.
0: Stanimir, Stanimir, cover it. Academic, Colonel Vladislavov, prepare. You're supposed to three. Stanimir, Stanimir.
1: I'm picking up a contact. 12 miles out, speed, zero knots. It's dead in the water, but it's big. It's really big. Hey!
0: is there anyone aboard? I don't get it. I mean, we got a Russian vessel, middle of nowhere, dead in the water, crew vanished. I mean, why the hell would they abandon ship, huh? Shh, you hear that? We don't find any dead bodies. We got somebody else on board, repeat. We got somebody else on board. That's who sank the tug. Drop it mission from the Mir space station something came onto the ship i took control of computers he was learning learning what how to kill us somebody welded the engine room door shut they- no. what is it high-tech robotics
1: get back
0: no in order to survive it's
1: creating a new life form what
0: it wants us for spare parts
1: it must destroy the one threat oh my god to its existence i'm gonna die the virus called man
0: what's wrong with you
1: nothing now ah!
0: All right, all you Midnight Mass Creature cast fans out there, this is my awesome co-host Rob and I, Mark, our one-year anniversary show. That's right, and one one year together. I know, I'm so excited. And for that... We have joked about this. Uh, it has been a, a bane of my existence for years, <laughs> but we're going to be covering virus from 1999. We and, both agree to this.
1: And honestly, I never like I thought it was just something we joked about. I never actually believed it would come to pass. Um, I just thought it'd be fun to do. Yeah.
0: And it, <laughs> uh, it's, it's either going to be really fun or really frustrating or possibly both. It might be much like many of my dates throughout uh, high school.
1: <laughs> <laughs> ends in tragedy.
0: Right. Well, you know, it, you know, I know, you know, doesn't foreplay always involve crying at some point?
1: Yes, yeah, so somebody um, does end up crying all the time. Right,
0: right. Yeah. So this is Virus from 1999. Now, so the film itself is kind of an ensemble piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's got a lot of players in it. Are you okay if I just kind of address that and then we'll go on? As always, you know, that that's kind of your thing. So I leave it to oh. you. All right. Thank you. Now, I did try to limit myself and I'm only going to give everyone like two movie creds a piece instead of going on and on. So I think that will speed things up. So our director is John Bruno. Now, when you go and look him up on IMDb or Wikipedia or anything, he's really not directed as a director per se, or he's not listed as a director per se. Um, he's more of a visual effects artist. Okay. And he works very closely with James Cameron, which I think makes a lot more sense knowing that and then looking at Virus, the film, because it's very um, special effects heavy With as far as like, uh, it's not a monster per se, it's way more technology. Yeah. Uh, robotic. Right.
1: And it also, yes. um, th- through the second, this is only the second time that I've watched this and through the rewatch, I got that vibe of kind of uh Titanic in a way. And, uh, also like Michael Bay films, like uh, lots of big explosions and, you know, a lot of action sequences going on, you know, that kind of thing.
0: Well, and William Baldwin diving overboard to get that necklace for Jamie Lee.
1: Yeah, that's or or when <laughs> when they're at the end of the film, you know, attached to that piece of uh, boat.
0: Oh know? right, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about the nude painting that William was doing of Jamie Lee. But anyway, um, now as far as actually directing something else, I did a little digging in the movie Heavy Metal from 1981. He did do one segment because that's like an anthology animated cartoon uh, film. And his segment was called Soft Landing, and he did direct that. But he's way more of a visual effects artist. And he's done like a ton of James Cameron films. They work very closely together. So moving on. The action is set on a ship, a tiny ship. So I'm going to go through the crew of the tiny ship first, okay? So we've got Captain Everton, who's played by Donald Sutherland. Now, two of my favorite Donald Sutherland movies are Don't Look Now from 1973 and Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the remake from 1978. I love both those movies. I highly recommend them. So then we go on to um, Kit or Kelly Foster, portrayed by the ever awesome Jamie Lee Curtis. And this is hard for me, but only two films I'm going to recommend from her are Prom Night from 1980 and then Road Games with Stacey Keach. It's an Australian film from 1981. Um, then we have the ship's engineer is Steve Baker or Stevie. Um, and that's William Baldwin, the lesser of the Baldwins. Um, (laughs) he was in sliver from 1993 and Flatliners from 1990.
1: Wasn't he in, um, uh, John Carpenter's vampires or am I thinking of another
0: Baldwin? He may have been again, if it's not Alec, they're not important to me. Okay. So he may very well have been, uh, I'm not, I'm not discounting you at all. <laughs> no, honestly, I can't, I know there was a bald. Remember. Um, oh yeah. There was a bald one. It yeah. may, it may very well have been him really. Honestly. I just, if it's not Alec, I just don't pay any attention. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he's got a buddy on board and it's the one with the goatee and the baseball hat. Uh, and that's squeaky. And that is Julio Oscar. Micosa, i believe i hope i didn't mutilate that it's m-e-c-h-o-s-o this gentleman surprise surprise was in planet terror from 2007 which i love and the third jurassic park which actually is one of my favorite jurassic park movies in the franchise from 2001 is that the one with all the raptors uh it also has
1: the pterodactyls okay yeah i know what you're talking
0: about and and tia leone who was supposed to be a big major star but she never like she really took off but yeah anyway yeah that's I love probably that my one. favorite of the jurassic park films as well seriously high five i'm high-fiving you <laughs> all right um air high five yeah i'm sorry my hand's sticky but we'll talk later um <laughs> then we've got richie who is our lone african-american so thank you 90s films That's Sherman Augustus, which I love his name, like Sherman Augustus. That's just the coolest name in the world. Anyway, so he was in the um, 1993 Tina Turner biopic, What's Love Got to Do With It? But more importantly, he was in Stilskin from 1995. It's a horrible movie, but I saw it (laughs) in a theater where, like, I think it was like a day or two before a woman had killed a man with an axe. (laughs) Oh, jeez. So it made it like way more like, you know, kind of edgy, but the movie's not really good, but it's Rumpelstiltskin. We may want to cover that when we've talked about every other creature feature made. Okay. And then we'll do yeah. Rumpelstiltskin. Okay. Then we have a character named Woods, and he's the one who's kind of like the whiny, cowardly guy. That's oh, Marshall yeah. Bell. And he,
1: now, uh, he reminds me of another actor.
0: He reminds me of someone else, too. I am I will say this right now. There's going to be a recasting couch at the end of this episode.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah, because I'm thinking, okay, he reminds me of, like, a, a low-budget Dennis Hopper.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay, okay, yeah. But anyway, now, does, does this actor, like, seem familiar to you at all? He does, but I don't know from where. Starship Troopers. He was the kick-ass General Owen.
1: No Way. Way way i would never have made that connection
0: yes it was also an identity uh from 2003 which is a great movie don't let anyone spoil it for you you've seen it because yep. we talked about it I yeah i've but seen everyone it everyone else out there don't let anyone spoil it for you go see it it's really good yeah it will mess um, with your head oh yeah 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 yeah. and then um i believe it's pronounced hiko and that's cliff curtis mm-hmm. um and he is a new zealand actor He was in The Piano from 1993, which if you want to see lots of uh, Harvey Keitel Penis, I highly recommend it. And he was also in Doctor Sleep from 2019, which is kind of like a sequel, in a way, to The Shining. And most recently, he's in Meg 2, The Trench.
1: Yeah, he also is, um, or, well, he was. He's not in it anymore, but he played the father of alicia and i forgot her brother's name in fear the walking dead uh probably around yeah around the first uh first one two maybe three seasons i want to say he lasted for and and then after that he was killed
0: off Uh ah spoiler (laughs) yeah right (laughs) oh which by the way we will be spoiling the heck out of virus for anyone who has not seen it so if you want to watch it first hopefully you listen to last episode so you know that's what we're doing but if you want to watch it first and then come back by all means do so
1: I'm checking because, to see if he was also in Deep Rising um, from 1998, but I don't see anything here about it, so
0: mm. Treat Williams was.
1: Yeah, Treat Williams, yeah, but I, I thought that's all that all matters to me.: I thought there was another New Zealand guy, uh, long-haired, but oh. I don't know. I could be mistaken. because <laughs> they
0: all look the same. No <laughs> No, I didn't mean that. <laughs> um, and then <clears throat> the majority of the action takes place on a Russian ship. And the uh, actress on that ship is um, the character's Nadia, and that's Joanna Facula. Uh, She's a Polish actress. She was in The Kiss from 1988. And more importantly, she was in a giallo directed by Lamberto Bava called Body Puzzle from 1992. And for all my giallo fans out there, you need to find, find that one and get that in your life. Yep. So that's our cast. All right, so basically the premise of the film is a bodiless extraterrestrial entity has come to earth to rid the planet of a virus which it views as humankind mm-hmm. so it's going to rid the earth of man people by man i mean like mankind humankind you know men women you know every everything that falls under that umbrella okay so now, when did you first see this, Rob? Um, I think
1: ninety nine. Okay, yeah, me too. It, but I, I didn't see it in the theaters. I definitely waited till it came out on cable, or from Blockbuster. One or the other. <laughs> I okay. can't really be sure.
0: I, I'm pretty sure I saw this one in the theater, and I remember at the time I just, oh, I hated it at the time. We'll talk, but at the time I was not a fan.
1: I didn't hate it, but I don't know. I was like 24. And so I was heavily into, like, you know, Terminator and those kind of sci fi action movies. And so I remember Deep Rising being one of my favorites. I watched that all the time. Oh, yeah.
0: Leviathan, Star Six, all those. Mm -hmm. I loved all the. Oh, what was the other one? The Shark one. Deep Blue. Oh, Deep Blue. Yeah, with uh LL Cool J, yep. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah. Yeah, there's just something I just I we'll, we'll talk, but I I don't know why I had such a strong aversion to this, but boy did I hate it. I I like hated it.
1: <laughs> it felt like there was something off. Like I love the action parts, but as far as like the interactions go, it it was kind of confusing and now that I watch it again, I'm like, "Oh, that's why." <laughs> Mm, okay. uh, there's just yeah there there's things in there that will make you question why they put it in the movie
0: i agree with you on some things w- one thing in particular as we get further on there's one thing i'm like what but we'll talk mm-hmm. okay so all right let's get into the the meat of things here um so we start on a russian ship and I'm gonna emulate this, I apologize, but it's like the academic Vladislav Volkov, I believe. Um, yeah. but it's a Russian ship and they are interacting with a space shuttle up in space, up in the you know, atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So to me, some of the most important things are we see who we later find out is Nadia, and there are people on the space shuttle. And one of the things she's doing, she's actually playing chess like. With them up there, they're you know, she's interacting with them and they're playing chess. Yeah, also there's another person on the ship with her who seems very handsy with her, and I was thinking me too movement, but <laughs> that will come into play later, too, why they seem so friendly, yeah. Um, so anyway, while all this is going on, <clears throat> a it almost kind of reminded me of like the cloaking device in Predator.
1: That yeah, that spaceship. And also, um, if you remember. Uh, the like, if you watched the Fantastic Four, the solar storm that turned them all that, that gave them oh. their superpowers. Yeah. Yes. It yeah. kind
0: of reminded me of that as well. Right. So this kind of invisible esque UFO passes through the space shuttle Mm -hmm. and all this like we get you know all the lightning and everything and it's truly messing everything up then it kind of beams down like more electricity lightning bolts would you agree yeah like right i guess it took control
1: of the satellite dish or the communications array and it like sent itself through that into the into the ship
0: yes okay and then right and into the ship and so we see that there's chaos on the satellite end the Mm -hmm. space shuttle end And now there's also chaos on the ship because we hear screams and everything.
1: Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff going down.
0: All right. Now, that was the Russian end of things. So seven days later, we're in the South Pacific, and there's a threat of a typhoon, Leah, I believe, um, which they no longer name typhoons after women, I don't think anymore. They just give them names. Um, So the ship's being tossed about, and we are kind of thrown into the conversation about what to do um foster played by jamie Lee curtis is kind of like the navigator of the ship um and then we have woods who is the general from starship trooper who i almost i almost want to look this up i think he might be the pervy gym coach from um the second nightmare on elm street movie really i think so um anyway um we need to look that up i won't go on with this so and then donald sutherland is the Pretty much inebriated captain of the ship, mm-hmm. and they're
1: what's important, but they never tell us why. Is he's got a bunch of cargo in tow on this ship that is, you know, being tossed about by the typhoon?
0: I think you know why it's important if you really think about it. It's it's money. If they lose that cargo, he doesn't get the payment. That's really the only reason it's important. Oh, because he says that he
1: leveraged everything. Something like he everything that he owns, he leveraged with that, and I'm like, so is like he is he smuggling drugs or you know what's going on
0: here? I, I think it's just whatever is on there. He sank his life's fortune onto getting it to wherever it needs to go. Oh, okay, like maybe He's okay. paid for it because it does. It almost seemed more like a lot of um, like beams and things like that, like metal. It almost seemed like, to me, it seemed like equipment like you would use to build things and stuff. I think what it was was just the cargo was so expensive that that's how they were going to get paid from everything that was on there.
1: Okay, yeah, like my mind went in a completely different direction with that. I was like, well, you know, this guy's up to no good.
0: Well, yeah, and he's he's clearly... A friend of the bottle, if you know what I mean.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, most definitely.
0: Well, he plays up
1: that Irish thing, like, to a T, pretty much, you know?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. But also, we're watching it, and before they really give you the that info, Walt's like, what's up with Donald Sutherland? Is he just phoning this in? And then they show you just a little <laughs> bit later that he's actually hitting the bottle pretty hard. Uh, but, yeah. Also... There is a bit of strife between him and um the uh the engineer of the ship played by William Baldwin. They don't get along together together. they don't get along together very well either. no, they don't so anyway, okay, so and then real quick, that is Marshall Bell, who does play the coach and he looks very nice in a, in a uh, jock strap i will say that okay <laughs> so now i'm back on board so he's not a jock strap in this film he is in in the second nightmare on elm street movie okay so anyway so basically the engineer stevie the mr baldwin is saying that that barge is going to pull us down with this typhoon coming in it's it's like rocking the ship and everything the only way for us to survive this is to cut the barge Free. Mm-hmm. Well, the ship didn't the sheriff. The captain pulls a gun on him is basically <laughs> like, if you cut that barge, if you attempt to cut that barge, I'm just gonna end your life. And it's there's no two ways about that. Um he's he is the sheriff of that ship. <laughs> right. And so fortunately fate intercedes, and the uh the tether holding it together basically severs itself, and that's how they're able to survive.
1: Yeah. And you know what I liked about that just that part right there was the sense of urgency with like all that metal, like the metal tether kind of snapping and coming apart. It it like the sea kind of swallowing the barge up. And it it, that was just really cool. I I like that a lot.
0: Now I'm going to say this because like I said, I hated the movie at first. They've done a really, I feel so far in the film, a really good job of setting up the crew's tension with each other they don't really get along very well at all the mm-hmm. crew then I also want to bring up that Woods has a black eye that's never addressed in the movie whatsoever but he's got a shiner I never noticed that yeah because I'm <laughs> like what? what's up with that and by the time the movie stopped I turned to Walt and I'm like they never told us why he had a bruised eye <clears throat> Yeah, go you back. And, that- you don't have to watch the whole movie. Just watch that beginning scene because he's got a big old black eye. And I wonder if, something, if they didn't shoot out of order and something happened or something. I don't know. It's very weird. Or maybe there was. Addressed.
1: Yeah, maybe there was a scene that they decided to cut, but maybe like there was a interaction between one of the crew and, you know, he got punched in the face.
0: Right, um, right. So, but anyway, now we're back on board. I just thought it was weird. So we're back on board and the sheriff is actually down in his quarters with a gun, with the gun, except this time he's just going to kill himself because I'm thinking the, like he said earlier, the cargo was uninsured. So now he's going to have to like cover all that stuff himself. It's going to financially break him. So he's getting ready to kill himself. And there's a knock at the door because the ship is taking in water. the, that they're on. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they're attempting repairs and everything, but it's not looking good. So they send out a Mayday call, and their supplies are limited, so they can't last too long anyway. And that's when they get that blip on the screen that there's something else close to them. If they can make it to there, maybe they can find help, or they can get on board that for safety and everything. So we see their ship, the Sea Star it's heading towards that other vessel.
1: Yeah. And it, how long did oh, it take? Like they're taking on water and I guess the, the engine was like real messed up. And so as far as I remember, it said something about that, that other ship being 10 miles out. So that's pretty far. I mean, yeah, I don't know how they arrived to that, but I guess it's like movie magic. You
0: know? Yeah. I Well, yeah, yeah. Well, and also, I guess I need to do this really quick too. Also on board, we've got, um, we see that down below there's the gentleman named Squeaky and he's very close with Stevie. Apparently they're very good friends. Right. Um, and then there's also, I, I'm going to say the man's name wrong. I just know it. But we've got um, Hiko um, and he's um, the one with the face tattoos and everything. He's uh, a New Zealander on, on the ship as well. Yep. Um, so anyway, so... They're approaching, but it's all foggy, and they can't really see anything at first, but then they notice, like, the lifeboats and everything. They're all wrecked and everything, um, floating in the water, and then the big Russian ship comes into sight. Um, They're getting no response to the radio calls and everything, and the ship's in bad shape, Um, and it's then, uh, I believe it's Foster that looks it up, and she figures out that it's, like, a scientific ship, mainly just for, like, robotics and things like that, so... Mm -hmm. It, it it really shouldn't be in the condition that it's in because it's not like it's really like a battleship or anything so the crew climb climbs on board that didn't sound right but i think that's right um and then they kind of pair off or group off and so stevie and squeaky pair off and squeaky's like really not thinking this is a good idea that they're on board um and everything for all intents and purposes seems to be deserted but there's also it's like riddled with bullet holes all over the place
1: yeah it's a it's like a weird it's a ghost ship and it's almost like like you know when you were talking about the predator like <laughs> you know it's like the predators came down on that ship and just kind of uh got their trophies and left
0: right and then we were privy to the first jump scare which they open the door and just birds fly out <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Um, but then Richie, and he's got his gun ready to go. Um, they note that it's been powered down, that like everything's been turned off. And then they're speculating was it pirates? Maybe it was the mafia? Like what happened to the ship? Yeah. The radio's been smashed. And then the log that they've discovered is worthless because it's written in Russian and no one speaks Russian or no one reads or speaks Russian fluently. The captain does a bit, but not enough to make heads or tails of the log. Um, this is when our captain gets the bright idea that, Hey, we can use this, um, as a salvage lien and get 10% of the ship's value. And Richie calculates it up. That's going to be estimated about $300 million.
1: Right. Cause there's something about
0: maritime law or whatever. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's when Foster chimes in that maritime law also states that if there's anyone left alive on board, you can't claim the salvage lien. Right. Which knowing that like how gun happy the captain is, I'm thinking if there is anyone alive, he's just going to kill him. <laughs> like he's coming right for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now the movie spins, I don't know if you agree with me. I feel The movie spends a lot of time, like, below deck, above deck, on the bridge, in this room, in that room. It, like, jumps around a lot, I feel. (laughs) Yes, it does. Okay, all right, all right. So, down below, the two that have paired off, Steve and Squeaky, um, they're kind of exploring with their little flashlights and everything. Um, And they're kind of having a conversation... (laughs) They're talking about Foster and she is a female on board. And they're kind of like talking about her, like, you know, you know, they feel like she's going to be a good person to have on their side. And they're like, Oh, do you mean by that? Like, is she hot? But I, it almost feels forced to me, like, Oh, it's a female character. So we have to sexualize her. Right. And not,
1: not only that, but she's the only female character on that ship, you know, until we meet Uh, Nadia yeah Nadia yeah
0: yeah but I I guess what I'm trying to say is it doesn't really seem necessary or pertinent it seems forced into the dialogue right oh it's a woman so we got a sexualizer
1: and like uh what happens in most movies where it's like okay the, the we've got a female lead let's pair her off with or let's give her a love interest you know that kind of thing
0: yes now, we're dealing with Jamie Lee Curtis, the actress. And knowing what we know about Jamie Lee Curtis, she's very, and I'm not saying this is bad at all. This is one of the things I respect about her as a thespian. She's very vocal and she's not, um, she seems like the kind of person that you can't push around. And she's very strong-willed and she's not a stupid person. hmm and she seems to me like she would have fought tooth and nail if they were going to at all try to make her appear like stupid or try to like just put her there to be like a a woman, yeah, not a character. Okay, so there there clearly was animosity between her and the director. Oh yeah, um, she
1: was very vocal about it. She. She wanted to get, I
0: think it was Steve Miner to
1: direct. Yeah. The the director of house. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like she, and H2O. Yeah. The Halloween H2O. Yeah. But like, I, I wonder if a lot of this had to come with the fact that um, our director, Mr. Bruno had not really directed anything. And if he was paying a lot of attention more to the technical end of things,
1: Mm (laughs)
0: <laughs> if he wasn't giving the cast, i this is all speculation, but also, to me, just like the view I have of Jamie Lee, I could see a lot of pushback from her as far as no, this character is going to be she's female, but that's where this stops. She's an equal with everyone. We're not gonna make her like you know we're not gonna have a topless or not top or topless or like a wet t shirt, Jamie Lee, like this is not happening, you know what I mean, yeah.
1: Yeah. Because Jamie Lee is kind of like the action hero in this film.
0: Yeah, very much. She's like our Sigourney Weaver. You know? Yeah. Um, Anyway, so. Down below, um, we also have. uh, um, They find that there's a generator, but it's dead and the control panel has been trashed. So they go about trying to fix it and they eventually get it going. And this causes we get a shot of like robotic machinery and that kicks into gear too once the power comes back on
1: yeah all that stuff working like getting back to the job it was doing before it was cut up the the power was cut off
0: right there's all sorts of like little like uh sentient robot creature looking things and one's like a little spider robot
1: yeah yeah we see that a lot too throughout this movie
0: yes really quick did you ever see the tom Selleck gene simmons movie runaway I did not. Okay. So that, that those little creatures remind me a lot of the little robot creatures from that movie runaway. I was just curious if you or anyone out there, you know, listening had seen it. Cause those two things remind me of each other. Okay. See, on.
1: I went in another direction with that. Um, oh, okay. I went with batteries, not included for the little creatures.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> I can see that too. I can see that too. Yeah. Um, Runaway is way more of like an action a film in a way, because like um, Gene Simmons is like the, the bad guy and Tom Selleck's like a cop, like in the future. And they're using like robots to kind of like do his nefarious deeds. Oh, gotcha. I, I'll have yeah. to check that movie out. It's hard to find, but it's a fun watch. Um, it really should be more available, but I don't want to keep talking about that. So we're going to move on because otherwise I'll just be so sidetracked. All right, so... Back upstairs in the bridge, Um, that's where we get Foster and she hears that real high-pitched noise once everything ki- uh, clicks back on the power. And then you notice that the camera, there's cameras all over the ship and it appears to be like watching everyone, uh, their actions on board now. The people have come aboard. Yeah. We also get that there's a gigantic anchor like hanging above um Hiko.
1: Oh shit! Yeah, then wasn't there a a camera around that area? So like the anchor, no, I'm not the anchor. Sorry, (laughs) Um, a camera around that part of the ship because it saw that there was another ship next to it.
0: Yeah, like like they're totally being watched. Yes, right, exactly. Yeah, it's like Big Brother's watching. Yep. So it's also noted that the computer seems to be running itself. Like there's no one operating. It just seems to have a mind of its own.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like scanning information and it's like mm-hmm. moving really quickly, like in the Matrix or something.
0: Yes. So Hiko jumps out of the way just in the nick of time it, as that anchor plummets into their their ship, the Sea Star, and pu- just basically punches a gigantic, huge, like crater-sized hole Into their ship.
1: Yeah, they're they're not going home on that ship.
0: No. So, in the interim of all this chaos, Hiko gets kind of pinned to the ship itself, and it starts going down. Well, Woods chooses not to save him, but save his own skin. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, Stevie dives in to save Hiko, um and this causes an even bigger rift between the woods and the hiko character because woods was just going to let hiko just die
1: yeah so
0: and on, they don't oh, seem to
1: be like a tight-knit crew like most of them they're they're very mm-hmm. a lot many of them not all but they're they seem to be at odds with each other quite a bit
0: to me this is the actual like opposite of the alien crew from alien Oh, yeah. They really seemed like for the most part to like kind of get together, like get along. Mm -hmm. These guys, it seems like pretty much every man for themselves for the most part.
1: Right. It's like they were all just kind of picked out of a lineup and thrown in this uh, situation together.
0: It really does seem more like to me, like a work environment. Mm -hmm. Like this is way more of a work environment that I would be more used to as opposed (laughs) to like, hey, we're all buddies. You know, every man for himself. Yeah. 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 Um, but this, and the next thing, we also get a shirtless woods, which I was okay with that. Um, and then this is where squeaky says that the ship appears to be running itself.
1: And oh yeah. And squeaky is kind of like the, uh, almost a well, no, because I can't say resident genius because, uh, the Augustus guy is also like, he knows a lot of, like he comes off as he doesn't know anything, but he knows like a lot.
0: Apparently. Yeah, at yeah. first he seems like he's just a trigger-happy kind of guy that yeah. like, seems like a loose cannon. Richie. Yeah. yeah. But so Stevie wants Squeaky to lock himself, bolt himself into the engine room and just kind of work on getting everything up and running and don't let anyone in. Right. So, um, oh, so <laughs> this is also where you know, because the captain earlier pulled a gun on Stevie, but he's saying, "Hey, you know what? Once we split everything, you're going to basically be getting 13 million, and that should like kind of pay for you to forget what happened between us before, like <laughs> forgive and forget, because <laughs> you're going to be getting a lot more money." Yeah. Um. And so the uh was it the four of them? Because they because uh, Hiko's been hurt, and they're trying to find sickbay, basically to 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 work on his leg because he's been severely injured. Yeah. Um so we've got the captain and we've got Stevie and Foster assisting Hiko down to the sick bay. Um and but and now like everyone's pretty much pissed at the Woods character for the way he's handled things. Um and then Richie and Woods have branched off on their own. To go investigating exploring the ship
1: yeah like are they looking for survivors or were they just like looking for cool stuff to find
0: i think they're just kind of checking out the ship see if there's survivors see what's going on why the ship is in such you know weird shape like why things have been destroyed that really shouldn't have been destroyed okay yeah so um In the engine room, Squeaky's all alone, and that's where there's this like portal opening that's big enough you can crawl into. And the little spider creature we've seen is crawled inside, it's dragging cables along with it. But all Squeaky is privileged to seeing is just the cables being dragged into there.
1: Yeah. And he's like, What's going on here? Let me investigate.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So he crawls inside. And I don't know about you, but the minute you see someone's head. With a bunch of cables wrapped like kind of around it, you know where this is gonna go,
1: oh definitely,,
0: yeah. <laughs> and he and squeaky's also making mention that he's not American, he's Cuban, so you know, like don't do anything to me i'm I'm you know kind of on your side <laughs> oh that, so, that's that's uh,
1: true like the like the the Cuban missile crisis and everything uh, yeah.
0: right, 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 so of course, the wires entangle him and pull him inwards, so we know that he's you know not really uh good for this world, so Richie and Woods have stumbled upon like basically for all intents and purposes, a weapons locker, there's guns and gas masks and everything. So they're in there. And then inside the medical lab, Foster is kind of cleaning the giant gaping gash that's been ripped into Hiko's leg from that. Like, it looked like a big splinter of wood or something from the deck. Yeah. It looked real too. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he actually got hurt. So I will say this, and I this is me. I'm not speaking for Rob at all. I think that the gore effects, I think that the robotic effects, like all of the effects on this thing are really, I think top notch. And I think they kind of hold up pretty well for this to be a nineteen ninety-nine film. Oh, they do.
1: There's not there's a few elements of CGI, but most of it is like practical, you know, prosthetic effects.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I I'm glad you agree. I yeah. Um, I, I I will talk more at the end, but I I feel that I don't know what I wanted at the beginning when I went to go see it originally, but like I was way too hard on virus than I should have been. Um, anyway, so now um, <laughs> this is where Richie and Woods are like stocking up like on all the weapons and everything. Yeah, but Woods is like all automatically complaining like he's got a bad back and everything, and he can't carry all this stuff, and yeah. like Richie's like. <laughs> making him like a pack mule and everything
1: <laughs> did you see he had like the um the rpg you know the rpg ammo and and then like he's carrying really some big i don't know what kind of guns they are man but they, oh, he's right just, yeah they're <laughs>
0: huge he's packing heat for sure um so he also discovers some short-range missiles which will be important much later on um, not only in interim, that but
1: the the ejection seat like pay attention to that ejection oh right seat. yes yes
0: yes yes yeah. but in the interim to all this would more importantly notices that there's blood all over the floor and bloody handprints like all over the door which yeah. to me is like pretty upsetting somebody went paint crazy <laughs> with their blood right 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 yes and then back in the med lab because we're bouncing all over because we got people separated back in the med lab they're all talking about what they're going to do with their money. Like, uh, you know, Hiko's gonna open a school and then Stevie's going to like buy an Island and get a hammock and lay around. And, you know, hopefully Alec will come visit in something skimpy. <laughs> um, and then while they're talking, we get another jump scare because this person in a gas mask bursts forth out of this locker and they're just opening fire with this like machine gun yeah, or gun. Like, Willy
1: nilly. Yeah. They do not care what they hit or whom they oh, hit.
0: Oh no, 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 no. Um, but who it is, once it's unmasked, it is Nadia, who was the woman earlier, the Russian woman who was playing chess. So that kind of like messes things up there down below with Richie and Woods, they find um, that there's like cables everywhere. And someone has like set about rewiring the ship.
1: Yeah. Like they notice the, uh, the cables cut in certain places, but then there's like, Everything has been rewired pretty much.
0: Yes. And then so we bounce back and forth, back with our crew in the med lab. Um, she's been uh, knocked unconscious, and they're going through her bag. And um, this is where Stevie sends Richie and Woods a message to go check on Squeaky because he's not been able to contact him. So down below, this is where we get another jump scare with that robot hop- pops up in front of Richie and Woods.
1: Oh, yeah, because they they make a comment that it smells
0: like shit. Right, 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 right. Yes. So that's important that the robots have an odor to them because that will come into play again later in the film. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say this. I feel that the script and the plot does it really well with, like, dropping you all sorts of things that will come into play later.
1: Yeah, there's a a whole bunch of foreshadowing, like, with... With everything that you see, basically, you do have to pay attention to it because it will, it will matter like near the end of the movie.
0: Yeah, I I think they do a really good job with that. I I will give them kudos for that. Mm -hmm. So Nadia's woken up and she is freaking out about the power being on. She's like, turn it off. You guys are all in danger. And this is where she jumps up, and it looks like, for all intents and purposes, she's reaching for a gun, but she just grabs like a power bar. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone flips out and they all go for their gun. Yeah. Um, she was just hungry. She yeah, hungry. she was just hungry. And she's saying that like the whole crew is dead and everything. And then she keeps saying that it, it needs power um, to move through the ship. Right. Now, immediately, our captain, Donald Sutherland, assumes that she's crazy. Um, and then she takes off and starts to like, Run away, and then Foster follows her like below deck with a flashlight. Mm-hmm. So eventually, Nadia is kind of cornered by Foster, um, and she has an axe. But, um, Foster kind of like tries to like do that personalization thing, and she's like, You know, my name's Kelly Foster, um, I was a babysitter once and I was attacked. Uh, I survived. Uh, I was taken to a hospital. I was attacked there. And then I ended up in this lighthouse. No. Um, I love this. She says,
1: <laughs> That's great. She, she
0: says, <laughs> she, says uh, she says. you know, I'm the navigator of the ship and everything. And she's trying to make like a personal, you know, one-on-one contact with this person to calm her down. And then Nadia reveals that she was the chief science officer of the, of the ship. And then eight days ago, it took control of all the info and started learning how to kill the crew. And then she said um, that them, meaning the machines, um, started, like, building themselves. Yeah. All of a sudden, the captain and Hiko catch up with the two women, and they, which I did not like this. I did not like this at all, because Foster was in on this. They kind of jump her and tie her up which I didn't like that. I didn't,
1: I don't see the purpose for that. Like, are they afraid that she's going to flee and do something like a, do something to them? Or is she just going to be frantic and like jump into the ocean?
0: I don't know. Was it for her safety or theirs? I don't know. I just didn't like how it played out. I did not like that. I just did not like that. Yeah, I I thought that was kind of messed up too. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't like the whole like tricking her part. I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, now we're back with Richie and Woods and they hear this like noise uh, and um, they think that someone is working down there and they're got it half right. Something is working down there. They stumble upon a room where all these like little machines are like hard at work making other machines. Right. And then Richie decides to cut the power. So Stevie walkies down to the other two. And then we see that little robot scuttle, the little spider robot scuttle by. Yeah. So, and I'm sorry about this, but the, the film really does jump like all over back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It is. It, okay. It's enough to make you dizzy. Well, it's, it's uh, for me, it was hard to be like, okay, where exactly? Cause I really wanted to know, especially for my notes, like what, What room, like what vicinity of the ship were we in exactly? You know, just to get a layout of everything in my head. Mm -hmm. So, it, it, for all intents and purposes, it looks like they back out of the room, but all of a sudden they come back into the room.
1: Um, all because the machines turned the power back on,
0: yeah, and they're really like kick butt in there. Um, but there's this like rope. They, the robots, like one to me almost looks like a robot crab, and one kind of looks almost like a scorpion. Yeah. 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 Um, so Wood, Woods just wants to leave, but Richie's like in attack mode. And then they're like shooting him with like a nail gun. Um, oh, yeah. and that's what gets Woods like in the shoulder arm region. Yeah. He catches. Uh, they got him. like a drill attack and everything going on here. Um, that was they very also, uh,
1: very oh, uh, puppet master-like kind of thing. Oh, you know? yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, the movie is fun. I, I will give it that. I think it's a lot of fun, actually. I, I, again, I was too hard on it. Okay. So they're also in the interim, while all this chaos is going on, this attack, they are uh, uh, gunfire. They're opened up by a shadowy figure shooting into them. So they assume there's another Russian who's attacking them, and yeah. they uh, flee. And from the silhouette, like, what did you, did you think that was squeaky at first, like
1: from the silhouette with like, you know, some Borg attachments to, to its
0: head or whatever? Oh gosh. Okay. Okay. So I want to go here with you. Okay. okay. Um, I don't know that I thought it was squeaky. I definitely didn't think it was fully human. Mm-hmm. Um, So I wasn't just automatically assuming, Oh, it's a Russian. Do you know what I mean? Like they were, yeah. I didn't think that. Cause it looked, it did look like a robot mashed with a person to me. I thought my, did you not agree?
1: Yes. My immediate thought was that squeaky and they Borged him out. Like just, you know, totally. He, he became assimilated.
0: Okay. Um, so now I, th- I have this much later in my notes, but you said Borg. So I'm going to go here with you now. Okay. I am not a Star Trek fan. Okay. Mm-hmm. Walter is my husband. And he said, that a lot of this movie reminded him quite a bit of First Contact, the Star Trek film from 1996 with the Borgs.
1: Okay, I I know I've seen it, but it's been such a long time.
0: Oh, okay. I wanted to get your take, because I think you're, aren't you a Star Trek Yes, guy? I am. I enjoy okay, Star right. Trek. Okay, I just want to get your, okay, so we can move right along. All right, so now um, Stevie wants the two of them to get to the engine room, because he's still worried about Squeaky. Because secretly, I think that they were lovers, but I don't, that's just speculation. Um,
1: (laughs) She wants uh, some of that Latin love
0: there. Right, 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 right. So they realize that the door has actually been welded shut from the outside. And this is where that Richie and Woods, their paths intersect with Stevie, okay? And they try to explain what happened and Squeaky's missing and everything. So that's when Woods mentions that he notices that smell again and we get that like terminator attack
1: oh um, yeah with the
0: human head <laughs> thing so they like these robots have been using clearly parts of humans and grafting it onto their robot bodies yeah. in weird freaky ways and it, you, So okay
1: so the robot now i my thinking i'm just going to divert us a little bit real quick okay yeah um if the robot sees that okay humans are kind of easy to kill because they're you know their skin tissue is easily penetrated uh why would it choose to graft like human body parts onto itself when clearly maybe the superior the superior body structure would probably be metal you know and not bone and not uh muscle fibers or anything like that
0: okay see this is where i have no clue either cuz i'm like because, you know, a little later they will mention that, oh, it's found ways to, like, you know, keep the tissues and stuff alive. But I'm like, mm-hmm. why? Unless the plan is to kill people and wrap the machinery in human skins and, like, infiltrate humanity that way. Maybe. Like, kind of like Terminators then, right? Yeah, kind of like Terminators. That That's the only thing I can think of, Rob. That's, yeah. The only thing. And they are asking the audience to make that leap because it's never I I don't feel it's never really fully explained or fleshed out in the film. I don't feel
1: no. And that's the question that came up a lot when I was watching this again. I'm like, okay, so I understand like it wants to wipe out it, it thinks of humidity as a virus. It wants to wipe it out. Yeah. Um then why does it want to integrate like uh spare parts to it, you know?
0: So I think uh, what it is, it's like a Trojan horse. Like okay. you're you're it really is a way to infiltrate, and then once all humans are dead, it would have no longer a reason to dress like you know, to dress like a human and it would just ditch that and you'll just be robots walking around okay. doing robot stuff. Yeah, maybe. Which would be what I don't know. I guess watching Small Wonder. They would just watch Small Wonder all day. <laughs> right? Oh
1: shit. Now you're so, bringing back some memories now.
0: <laughs> so that's all I can think of though, Rob. Like that really is the only reason is just so they could infiltrate other, you know, because if you're marching in like a robot, people are like, holy shit. But if you're marching in like, you know, a lesser Baldwin, they'll be like, Oh, okay. Well, but they also look like crap. Do you know what I mean? Yes, they they don't look. They look horrible. Mm -hmm.
1: It's. it's, They might. Okay, the machines are still perfecting uh, trying to look human, I guess. Because.
0: They look awful. It's not like they could pass the way. I guess they haven't perfected that part yet because the boat got shut down. All right. But yeah, it looks like it's Frankenstein, basically. It's not <laughs> going to fool anybody. No,
1: unless you're like blind and maybe...
0: maybe. But then they would smell like crap, according to Wood. So you'd still smell them coming a mile around. That's away, true. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and did did
1: that bother you at all? Like the, the wings of those bug creatures were made out of like stretched out human skin? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that that to me now we're getting like in like Texas Chainsaw Massacre (laughs) territory here, people. Yeah. Oh, that was just so weird. Very interesting. Uh, (laughs) I'm sorry. Okay, so now I do love. So the next scene, we've got that close up of Nadia and she's like, you're all going (laughs) to die.
1: Which is very um, when, you know, that that. Hologram of the little girl in the first Resident Evil film.
0: You're all going yeah. to die down here. Yeah, yeah. And now, for some reason, I, I this captain is in no way, shape, or form fit to be in charge of anyone. No. Because he's still got in his head that, like, she knows what's going on. She's like, what are my men are missing? And he wants answers. And I'm, he believes that she's behind everything. And, like, this is where Foster, like, intercedes. And, um, uh, uh, she's talking and the other three come in uh, with uh, that robot. And then it's determined that it's actually Nadia's captain that's been mashed up with a robot.
1: Yeah. Oh, and I got some serious thing
0: vibes from that. That's also weird. It's so weird. Yeah. So this is where like Foster's like, you know, shut up to the captain. She's like, let her finish her story. So, um, she calls the little things that we've been seeing gatherers. And she's saying that that's when they started building other creatures. Um, and like, you know, they, they basically killed like almost half of the crew right away. Um, and then they started working on turning half, like a half man, half machine. The rest of the crew just deserted the ship. Noddy and the captain stayed back to cut the cables Um, the life form they're dealing with is like electrical and intelligent and it needs to create a new life form to exist like in a, like a physical form. Um, and this is where they realize that the, the, the thing that they've brought back that robot human mashup, um, there's no no decomposition in the dead captain's brain. And we get that jump scare because Richie's like prodding at it.
1: Yeah. And when did Richie become a brain surgeon?
0: That brain surgeon <laughs> i think he's just curious i don't know whatever but yeah he knows a lot of shit You're yeah right. he does he um, knows quite a bit everyone in here gives lots of like li- everyone has their own little exposition dumps at different points in the film yeah this where is it's true. needed yeah. you know what i mean so we see like the captain's hand and we get a jump scare uh because the hands close in around nadia Um, because it's responding to her calling it by name, because actually this is, we find out not only her captain, the ships, the Russian ship's captain, but her beef, her bohawk. He's been slipping her the hot beef injection because it's her husband. Yes. Um, Still our captain played by Donald Sutherland is in denial and he's blaming the Russians now. Saying this is some kind of weird Russian medical experiment that's gone wrong. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, let it go. Yeah. Um, so uh, while all this is going on, Foster spies this like giant swell coming towards the ship. So not only are they dealing with this, but now they're also dealing with nature throwing them another curveball by another typhoon coming in. Yeah. Well, I think
1: what they, um, when they, okay. When they, uh, sailed into the, or not sailed, but rode the boat into the eye of the storm, that was Foster's way of saying, okay, there'll be, everything will be calm if we're in the eye of the storm. So I'm thinking, you know, the storm had moved and they were finally outside of the eye and it's back to like being
0: tossed around in the water again. Yeah, you're right. You're correct. You're absolutely correct. Yes. So they decide that they've got to get to the engine room. Um, the robot, like, kind of like comes back to life, but then Richie just shoots it, putting an end to that right there. So it's kind of like, yeah, but didn't it do
1: that? Uh, didn't it do that? Like, what reminded me of the thing was that it had like those mechanical claws, and like the skull actually crawled outside of it. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. So everyone's headed below to the engine room, and they realize that the ship is steering itself and that it's altered its course. And they hear that loud noise, and um, this is where Steve thinks that it's squeaky, and they see the bloody handprints all over the place. Mm -hmm. And then Steve spies something um, through the portal of the engine door, and that's where we get (laughs) robo-squeaky. (laughs) Robo-squeaky. And (laughs) And all, all, all he can say is, Steve! (laughs) <laughs> right yeah i'm telling you they had like a very close relationship i'm just saying it i'm just saying that they were yeah, very close i think so it's like
1: that's the yeah. only thing that squeaky remembers <laughs> like yeah steve. and that's
0: all that steve can hone in on is like squeaky's well-being i'm just saying yeah not that there's anything wrong with it i'm just saying um no judgment so but squeaky's also like being shadowed by this big-ass terminator thing and that's what oh, kills Woods.
1: Yeah, the much bigger one. Yeah. And, and it punched a hole right through Woods.
0: Oh, yeah, like right through him. So the crew's open, fired on everything, and then Nadia accesses the communications room for everyone to hide inside there. Inside, all the radios have been destroyed, but Richie finally gets someone on the radio, which in turn is shot immediately by the captain.
1: Right, and not for... Uh- not because they're trying to stop this creature, but because the captain wants that salvage claim.
0: He's insane. The man is insane, mm-hmm. and I'm not just chalking that up to him being drunk. The man is cray, cray. Yep, he's gone. So th- I love this scene because Foster just hauls off and decks the man. <laughs> <laughs> you punched a superior officer, Foster. Oh man, he is crazy. Um, and then she also turns and she frees Nadi, who like you know who's like still tied. So we've got a robot punching through the door and Richie wants to use the computer to actually communicate with the robot. Yeah. And he types in and we see that he's asking, who are you? And the robot responds that I am aware. Yeah,
1: and this is where we get that uh, Prince of Darkness kind of voice.
0: Yeah, yes. And it says that the man is a virus. Yep. And that uh, he just wants to basically harvest you know, humans for spare parts. Right, it's, it's okay, listing whatever. out
1: like all of the things that it needs yeah. from... <laughs> from humans
0: (laughs) yeah and that we are basically mutations that need to be terminated yeah um and then the um we get creepy squeaky has gained access and is shot and then richie richie freaks out and exits because he's kind of like losing his marbles as well yeah he's
1: like i'm not i can't believe this crap that's going on here
0: yeah. And then Foster kind of rallies the rest of them into action, but the captain's going to hang behind and the rest depart, leaving him.
1: Yeah. you know something is up right then and there.
0: Oh yeah. So in that communications room, the captain decides that he's going to initiate a conversation with the entity through the communication, you know, with the computer screen. And that he types in that he's the dominant life form, hoping that this will get him in good with the, you know, the life form, you know, on the ship. <laughs> yeah. And, um, that he will help uh, bring the ship to port if that's what they need. Mm -hmm. And the computer tells him to come to the E-Deck workroom 14. Yeah. And didn't the, uh, didn't the thing,
1: the uh, entity say that what it wanted was to survive.
0: Right. Exactly. That's it's a number one goal is to survive and watch small wonder. (laughs) So now Richie is gone back to the workroom with all the little gatherers and everything. And um, so Nadia, Hiko, Stevie and Foster are headed to the mainframe because they're thinking that's where they need to go to like take control of the ship.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Once they get, Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was just, weren't they planning to like shut the computer down or some, something like that?
0: Well, once they get there go, once they get there though, it's just gone. Like the little, you see the little mini robots have just taken it and moved it somewhere else in the ship.
1: Oh yeah. (laughs) All the wires were cut and then like the floor was kind of removed. It was just like, Oh shit, where'd it go?
0: Yeah, and then so um, on the E deck, this is where the captain is privy to seeing like what they're actually doing, like their nefarious plan at play. Mm -hmm. Because there's like that nude worker laying there and everything, which at first I thought it was woods, but I'm not 100% sure I was correct on that. But there's like all like the harvesting of all the body parts and everything. There's like lots of crew members everywhere in different you know, various parts of like being, you know, uh, yeah. And did like you see that s-
1: some of the bodies had been completely skinned? Like the only thing left was the, like muscle tissue on uh, hanging on the skeleton. Like there was a stack of bodies to the side. Oh
0: yeah. It's like a really gruesome assembly shop. And yeah. then like apparently it smells cause the captain's like got his mouth covered, trying not to gag. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then you see that there's a, Robot with a body with a star tattoo on it, which is important to notice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh and then now, okay, so the robot, the large robot, to me reminded me of Brendel Fly from the Fly, because it's got like oh. the little mouth part that opens. That's yeah. all I could think of was Brendel Fly. And it's got like the wide, the wide head. Like, yeah, uh, yes. with
1: a yes. with one larger eye, and yeah. N- yeah. Now that you mention it, it does. All of these robots, um, when they're not blended with humans, they look more insect-like. Than, Very much so. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Else. Very
0: much so. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Like, for some reason, it chose to even... Like, I was wondering, like, why are you making spiders? Why would you not... Unless it's got such a loathing for humans that it doesn't want to duplicate humans. But if you're... Anyway. Hmm. But if you're going to build your body on top of a person, you've got to make a... I don't know. It makes my head hurt. It's like trying to figure out the terminator. Anyway so this is also where just kind of nonchalantly like the captain lets it slip that he and woods had worked together for 25 years. So they had a history and everything. And the robot, you know, mentions that he needs help from, from the captain to help it survive. Yeah. All right. So this is where Foster realizes that the whole thing was a setup, you know, like kind of leading them there and everything. And that um, we see Richie's messing with the missiles and everything. So the, uh, let's see, with uh, the foursome are trying to melt through the uh, uh, door to get inside where they are attacked by that robot. And um, the four of them have to climb up a ladder to escape. Up on deck, that's the
1: big tank robot, right?
0: Yeah. Okay. The storm's raging on, and the group are heading upwards and upwards and upwards. And to me, this whole thing just seems incredibly helpless. It's just like it, it seems like there is no hope for any of these people surviving this whatsoever. So in the interim, we have Foster. She's kind of washed off deck and she's barely hanging on, and Hiko comes to her rescue um before she goes overboard he helps her but of course his heroism is rewarded by him being swept overboard so yep. he's just gone um so now they're on the bridge and the three are now out of the storm and below richie is all tricked out and he is uh gonna leave a goodbye gift he's saying for you know the entity that's taken over the ship yeah so foster is going to find out where exactly they are going and they realize they're going to be headed towards lord Lord Hal Island, um, and that the satellite has got has gained access now to that point, and they also realize that Ritchie's Mayday call went through, but they can't let help arrive because they've got to keep it isolated on the ship. Because if help arrives, help arrives, it's going to allow the being to escape the ship and actually. Yeah. Spread itself out.
1: Right. It can just transfer itself into another computer system and kind of ride the waves to wherever the hell it wants to. Right. I'm thinking
0: Atari. Um <laughs> so Nadia's plan is they've got to flood the hull of the ship with fuel and detonate it. Just basically burn the thing down.
1: Yeah, because so, that'll that'll assure that you know the ship will sink as well as burn anything. Um, right fleshy in the process exactly
0: exactly um so this is where we get the shadowy like robo frankenstein appears with the captain's head and someone else's body which i said that little star tattoo
1: oh do you think like uh captain everton when he decided to help this creature like he did he know like what that would entail
0: <laughs> i me personally i don't think so i think he was just stupid and like so blinded by, like, that salvage... Yeah. ...money, I don't think he had any clue of what laid in store for him. Yeah, I... I think the things just attacked him, and that was the end of him, yeah. I think, personally.
1: I think so, too, because they're not going to tell you, hey, we're going to cut off your head and use your use your brain to, like, get through to your friends or whatever, you know?
0: Yeah, Well, and they don't want... They don't want humans. They're not going to be in league with you. That right. You're just a means to their end, yep. you know? Yeah, so... Now I, I do not know how you feel about this, but I thought the whole like effect and everything was pretty darn cool.
1: It was, it was unnerving too, because you could tell that it was stitched together. It didn't look quite human. It didn't look like, uh, it had the resemblance of the captain, but not really. No, it it looked
0: like to really, it looked like a, like a, like a sci-fi Frankenstein.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. No, I thought it was pretty darn cool. Um, so Foster tries to attack, but she gets backhanded and Stevie's useless um, and then trying to shoot and everything. And this is where Nadia sticks a grenade inside the robot and it's like blown through like several floors of the ship. It's just like bam, yeah. bam, bam, all the way down.
1: Not just any um, grenade, but a thermite grenade.
0: Yes, yes. Because it was mentioned earlier that that's what they had. Yes, you're absolutely correct. Um, but they also realized, which I want to talk about this, that since the captain overheard them, now the life form knows their plans.
1: Yep, it knows everything that they're going to do.
0: But also, like... Like the cameras and stuff aboard the ship, I would already think that it would have already known that way beforehand.
1: You know what? I'm glad you brought that up because there were cameras almost in every, every yeah. part throughout the ship. So that thing could be watching from any point And I'm sure that maybe there were microphones too. Maybe it had listening Uh, devices.
0: Rob, I, yeah. It would have known their plan. Yeah. I'm thinking the only way to do this would be to whisper to each other or maybe like write it on the tiniest piece of paper and pass it that way. Cause anything else, like you said, they're going to know like, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was kind of weird. I'm like, no, I don't think it was just the captain passing that information along. But anyway, um, so down below, they're descending down a ladder, but we see like a shadowy robot kind of thing at first. And this is where they meet Richie with his guns. And he's like all paranoid now, which I totally get that. Um, Foster tries to reason with him, but they just end up parting ways. And the three of them sit about rigging the ship to explode. And this is where Nadia makes the comment, checkmate, because, you know, earlier on she was playing chess. So that's like something in her in her background that she does she plays chess
1: yeah and pay attention to checkmate because that's going to come up again too
0: exactly so they try to reach try to reach uh richie via walkie uh but they're interrupted by the Brendelfly robot and then stevie is knocked unconscious so foster is clinging to the ladder and then she's eventually knocked down into like that water fuel, which I would think would just burn the hell out of your eyes and you'd be blinded for life. But that doesn't happen.
1: Right. Like um, if you were to breathe that in for an extended period of time, yeah. you
0: might pass out and just drown yourself. it's like, she would have been toast. This is so implausible. <laughs> that was where he like lost it. <laughs> lost it with the movie. Um, and then there's those dead bodies. And this is where I want to talk to you about my biggest problem with the film okay to me the foster character was a strong person who happened to be a woman Mm -hmm. okay not a strong female she was a strong person who happened to be a female the minute that jamie lee curtis hits the water she becomes a scream queen
1: Oh, yes. She's no longer
0: strong-willed. She just becomes this frail female who can't do anything for herself, basically. And she just starts screaming and panicking. Totally out of character with what we've seen from the beginning of the film up until now. That's how I feel.
1: And I was wondering if it's just... um, I could be wrong. But is this the movie's way of saying that you know, she's been through a lot and it's finally starting to hit her. And then, okay, those walls are breaking down and she just can't be strong anymore. But that doesn't mean she's going to give up, but she, you know, she's starting to break down. Or was it that just, uh, you know, there's a continuity kind of thing in the movie and it's like, oh, let's throw this part in where she's this helpless um, damsel in distress.
0: I, I me, me, Mark, this is what I think. I think this is probably where a lot of the strife between her and the director came from, because I feel like. They were like, oh, my gosh, we've got Jamie Lee Curtis up until this point. She's not what you think of as Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. She's not screamed at all. She's not, you know, been like a victim at all, even though like in a lot of films, she's not technically like a victim per se. But she's not your typical Jamie Lee Curtis that people like fans coming to this film are going to expect and want from her. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think they felt like, oh, we need to have like 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 a a helpless female. Well, we we, neither her nor Nadia are these characters per se, but we're going to make them that. For all intents and purposes right now in this film. Yeah.
1: And so that didn't I think make that,
0: sense, no, didn't make sense at all. And I think that's probably where a lot of her uh, pushback came from because she's like, This makes no sense because it doesn't. And I don't really, to me, if you were going to have a mental lapse, I, I don't think that's what would have been the cause of this mm-hmm. for this character. I don't think I don't, I, I feel like it's unwarranted, it's unjustified. Um, I really do think it's just poor storytelling and they yeah. just were like no we need a we need a woman in distress this is how we're going to do this this is how we're going to fit into this um it's just uh, to me it's poor storytelling i feel i can see that because around that time is
1: when the story kind of started to fall apart and things made very little sense
0: yeah i just and and as we progress from here on she flips there'll be times when foster's very strong and then mm-hmm. next scene she's like this frail little thing. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. It's almost like she became this like bipolar person. I'm not making fun (laughs) of bipolar people, but like her character just becomes bipolar and it doesn't make any sense other than to fit in uh, what's happening right in that scene of of the story.
1: And it was weird because it it was like, okay, for, for one part that, like you said, the the script gets flipped and all of a sudden Nadia is like the strong, the strong lead. And, you know, to take control. And then it kind of uh, bounces back and forth between the two a little bit.
0: Which I don't know why they didn't just have two strong people who happen to be women. And we don't need this screaming at all, period.
1: Mm, Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, okay, now I don't like underwater shit. We all know this. (laughs) Um, The creature pops up, the robot thing, and then pulls her by the leg and then we get a new scene. So Foster awakens and she's being held up by her arms by the robot. I'm going to go out on a limb here. That scene reminded me of Saturn 3, which I'm guessing you've never even heard of. No, I have not. Okay, So it was a movie uh, from, I think, just straight up 1980, if I'm not mistaken. It starred Kirk Douglas and Farrah Fawcett is his love interest. There's a huge age gap. Um, he, he's got a nude butt scene in it. She has a scene where she shows, I think it's her left breast because, (laughs) um, she worked out a deal where they wanted her to go totally topless. And she said no. And they agreed to pay her a certain amount of money just for one breast. I'll give you one boob. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, that's also about like a, uh, robot who goes like on a rampage And there's a scene where he's got Farah held up by her arms like that. And that reminds me a lot of this movie, but that one came first. Anyway, so basically the robot is torturing Foster for information about where the detonator has been hidden. Yeah. Which again, with what we just talked about, I can't believe it wouldn't already know that where it was. Yeah, because it would have been watching and listening, you know, like we said. Can't believe that. Anyway, so Nadia and Stevie attack from behind, and they're trying to get the robot to let go of Foster. So in this scene, Richie also pops up and launches a missile th- right through the robot.
1: Yeah. This allows Which, Nadia to free... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, you would think that with a with that big-ass RPG being fired, you know, at that creature, that that would be the end of it, one and done, you know? One would
0: think, but yep. no, we're in a movie. Um, So... Nadia gets to free Foster. Richie goes to check on Stevie, who was kind of like knocked unconscious. Then the robot starts to rip the ceiling beams down. And that causes the female characters to be separated from the male characters.
1: Yeah.
0: And didn't that robot look
1: pissed at like, you know, my plans have been. Yes. (laughs) My plans have been set aside. Right. I'll never
0: know how small wonder ended. Right. It's all
1: just ripped the whole room apart. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the women flee through a series of doorways um, and now Foster appears to be quite visibly shaken, I guess, from the torture she's undergone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She becomes like a gibbering idiot almost. Yes. All right. So now we have our new scene with Richie and uh, Stevie kind of like coming to after all this like debris has fallen on them. Richie, of course, has to perish because he's African American, Um, and he has been um, basically pinned under the beams. Stevie's freeing him, but it's not just the beams that has hit him. He's also been like impaled on like shrapnel, basically. Oh, what a way to go! Like that twisted
1: twisted piece of metal sticking out of your chest, and oh,
0: right. So basically, again, we have the horror trope of a African American just being there to save the white people. (laughs) <laughs> and then they die for it. Um, oh man! So anyway, he also before he passes into the uh, heaven because Richie only deserves the best. Um, he tells Stevie that he's got to get to the uh, missile ship. Um, that there's going to be a way off the ship, and he'll know what it is when he gets there. And then Stevie confesses that um, this whole time, Squeaky and he have been lovers. And he just needs to get that off his chest. And I'm like, yes, finally, I'm justified. So now Nadia um, uh, leads them on to make sure that the ship will blow. And then we've got Foster protesting this. I don't know why, because it seems totally out of character for her. But anyway, (laughs) um, the robot pops up and says, checkmate as it crushes the little detonator in its hand.
1: Yeah. And I love that voice, like, Jack, mate. (laughs)
0: Yes. Yes. Um, (laughs) Which I wanted the, I feel badly, but the actor who played uh, Evil in Fright Night, I wanted that to be the robot's voice. Oh, that. (laughs) (laughs) Man, that
1: might have annoyed us throughout the entire (laughs) film, though.
0: (sighs) Anyway, so. um. Nadia tells Foster to get to the deck to tell the others what they're going to do, what their plan is. And then, um, Nadia fires into the tanks using her. Oh, wait, wait, wait. So this is where, um, am I right? Oh yeah. Yeah. The creature's holding her up. Yeah. Yeah. the, yeah, the, The robot's got Nadia and he asks if there's any other detonators. And she says just one more. And she sticks that other grenade into his chest using herself as a human detonator, and they blow up. Which I thought, you know what? That's a pretty kick-ass thing to do on Nadia's part, you know? Yeah, she sacrificed herself. Godzilla, bless her. So Foster flees, only to be pursued by the robot, and then suddenly Stevie has her, and she's a broken woman because, God forbid, we have a strong female type survive till the end because we've already killed our African-American. And now we have to have a blubbering idiot as a female. <laughs> right. Which I bet Jamie Lee was livid. I bet you she was so mad.
1: It, it just didn't make sense because. No. We see her as being like this take charge woman, this very strong. And and then all of a sudden it keeps swapping back and forth between the two, you know.
0: Yeah, it's very, very weird. So Stevie's pushing her onward. They end up in the missile bay. The door's been blocked. Um, they, How do they get inside? Uh, I don't remember that part. I don't anyway, remember they how up- they got inside. I just remember yeah, seeing them
1: inside there.
0: Yeah, they're in. They get inside. Um, and then this is where Stevie reveals Richie's plan that he's got it rigged for um, the seat, the ejector seat which will hold one and to go to escape. And he says that you're going to be it. Yeah. So Stevie activates it as the robot approaches Um, at the very last minute. Foster like grabs onto Stevie and wraps her legs around him. And the two are jettisoned outward with the rope pulling out the pin, which sets off a huge explosion of the missiles Mm -hmm. killing the robot. Or we think anyway. Or we think, um, the ship blows, the parachute opens and the rescuing captain who got the Mayday call says that's one hell of a flare." Yeah. Cut to daytime. Um, we see Foster and Stevie, Stevie clinging tenaciously to the wreckage. On the Titanic. And Yes. And then we see that Hiko did not die. He's also been clinging tenaciously to another part of wreckage. Yeah. Foster goes over to him, but then it's just a jump scare because it is his body, but he's part robot. Foster wakes up. It was just a horrible dream, and Stevie comforts her and tells her about his feelings towards other men. And <laughs> then we see that they're aboard a helicopter and the fade out to break. Yeah. And usually the way that they
1: end these movies, especially in like the late 90s, was, uh, you know, the ending to Deep Rising, where they get to the island, you think everything's going to be all right, but then all of a sudden the island is full of those whatever the hell kind of worm creatures that was. Um, And so upon seeing this film for the first time, I thought that, like, the robot would have been, like, in the helicopter or, you know, something like that.
0: Uh, They would have just kept going. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and the, like th- we would see like that somehow the 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 entity survived like it, it transferred itself to another thing that was close by and then like that you know we would see the end credits rolling because that's what usually happened with these kind of movies
0: yeah yeah now um can i ask how you watched it this go-round uh this time i watched it on streaming okay i happen to have a the reason i'm getting into this I happen to have a DVD of it, and it had four other movies, which were all John Carpenter films, except for this one. Um, So that's how I watched this one. Um, The reason I ask is because if we had a Blu-ray copy of this, there were extended and cut scenes. One of them had Hiko's um, in the the, uh, sick bay, He explained his face tattoos and why he didn't want Foster aboard the ship. Apparently, there's some uh, hard feelings between him and her. It had a longer Captain Robot scene. And it had a longer escape scene. I would have liked
1: to have seen the, the longer Captain Robot scene.
0: Okay, having said all of this, I actually feel quite differently about the film now. And I would not mind seeing a more cleaned up version of this and seeing those scenes. Yeah, it's not a great film. I'm not saying that, but I actually had fun with this. Yeah, it's not
1: the worst movie.
0: No, not at all. No. But before we get into that. So at the end, did you notice that like weird, like I thought it was like Gregorian chance, but Walt's like, no, it's supposed to be a Russian March plane. Did you watch it through the end? Uh, I
1: usually at once the credits roll, I'm kind of done.
0: Okay, so anyone watching it like through the end, there comes up and for all intents and purposes, I thought it was a, a Gregorian chant. It was supposed to be a Russian march, but they didn't actually quite get that. So what they did, it's the entire cast and crew, their names played backwards.
1: Holy crap! Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: So that's what that is. Okay. Anyway, so Rob, what did you think of the movie? I, despite there were some
1: glaringly obvious flaws, but I mean, overall, it was a fun movie. Lots of action, lots of uh, creature gore and and robotic
0: type weirdness going on. Uh, So, yeah, it was it was fun. And now for fans of this podcast, would you recommend it?
1: Yes, I think it's got all the ingredients.
0: So I'm going to kind of just piggyback right off what you said um i i kind of think my first go around with the film the things that i still found flawed with it this time i think in my mind they were just too big to to get past okay um so i think that's really why i had such an issue with it this second go round, I think some of the things that I maybe overlooked made it way more enjoyable for me. Um, I think that the robotic stuff is pretty darn good. I mean, you can tell why this man still to this day works with James Cameron on his films. Like the visual effects are pretty cool. Um, I think the film does suffer from like what we just discussed earlier on weird uh plot choices, swings that don't make sense other than to just keep the the uh, action moving. Um and I really, the uh, oh, the
1: interaction as well, like certain at certain points there's just unnecessary interaction or unnecessary dialogue that was it felt like it was just tossed in there because, Hey, this wouldn't this be funny, you know?
0: I, yeah. Or like, like we were talking about, like the characters do these weird swings that really don't make sense other than to keep the plot moving. Um, Yeah. I wish, I think now if this had been made, I think the gay subplot would be way more played upon. Um, We probably would see squeaky and Stevie in bed at one point, which would be fine. Um, No, I'm just joking. Um, but I, I it's, it's a fun watch if you enter it knowing that there's lots of things that will probably cause you to, like, <laughs> roll your eyes, maybe scream at the screen. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> lots of logistic things that you're just going to have to be like, okay, this really doesn't make sense, but we'll just go along with it for the sake of the story. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. It's don't, like a popcorn movie kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Um, don't go in expecting a, a perfectly formed kind of monster horror movie, whatever. You know, I guess it's got like sci fi elements of two.
0: Yeah. Now, if you're wanting like technological terror done mm-hmm. um, with the effects done well, I think this is pretty fun. Um, it's not the Terminator, don't get me wrong, but you can kind of see where the seeds of the Terminator. And this would go hand in hand in a yeah, weird way. I think so. Um, yeah, it, it's it's not great. I'm not saying, you know, it's... Uh, what would I compare it to? Um, the Terminator. It's not The Terminator, but it's still fun for what it is. Um, it's not Alec Baldwin. It's William Baldwin, but still, <laughs> it, it works. Um,
1: yeah, just know that it's, it's fun flawed, for what it is. But it, it's a good time.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. And I'm, you know, I'll be honest with you, Rob. I know I've teased you about and everything, but I'm kind of glad I rewatched it. It's one of those ones that I I don't know how you are, but when I have those like knee-jerk reactions to things, Mm -hmm. like like strong negative reactions, and I do give it time and go back and revisit it. Sometimes I find that I was very hard on things when I probably shouldn't have been quite as hard as I was. Right. And it was fun for what it was. It really was. I'm glad we watched it. I actually, seriously. I am too. And
1: I gotta tell you, like when when we were talking about it, I was kind of ambivalent. I was like, huh, you know, it's maybe, uh, I don't know. <laughs> but upon giving it a, another chance, because like I said, I haven't seen it in maybe 24 years or more. Um, I was surprised. I was like, okay, you know, this, I remember seeing it as like a a 24 year old. And I was like, uh, it it was okay, but it was no Deep Rising. Um, But watching it again, I looked at it a bit differently. Like, sure, there was a lot of uh, cheesy stuff that I didn't like, but for the most part, it was heavy on the action. Like the story kept pace; it didn't really drag out in too many parts.
0: Oh no, yeah, it really is. You you uh, hit it right there. It is an action film. Like you're not going to be sitting there like watching your your Apple watch, you know, waiting for that (laughs) virus to take over your watch and take you over. It goes really fast. Like it does move at a pretty good clip. Yeah. Like I'm kind of like you, Rob, like I put it on and, you know, Walt was sitting there with me on the couch and I was thinking this is going to be garbage. Like, like I was really just kind of dreading it thinking, Oh God, it's just going to be trash. And like about halfway through, I turned to him. I'm like, you know, I was really hard on this thing. It's fun for what it is.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. It was definitely like a surprisingly fun film to watch. and Yes, exactly.
0: And if you're a Jamie Lee Curtis fan, a completist out there, you owe it to yourself to at least watch this one time. Just to see her deck, Donald Sutherland, is quite (laughs) fun. So, yes, my recasting couch. So just really quick, some of the actors. Of course, I want it for Mr. Baker. Stevie would have to be Alec Baldwin. The character of Richie, to me, like immediately when when uh, the character popped up, I immediately thought LL Cool J, because that's just how my mind works. You know what? I thought the same thing. All right. Now, me, we've already had this discussion, I think, off air. The Woods character, as soon as he popped on the screen, I thought Woody Harrelson.
1: Really? Okay. See, I thought Dennis Hopper.
0: Okay. Now, Hiko my mind automatically went to Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Like in this day and age, (laughs) if they remade that, it would be The Rock. Yeah,
1: it would be like The Rock with long hair.
0: Yeah, yeah. Basically the character he's doing in Moana. (laughs) The (laughs) cartoon, but like live action. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Nadia, again, because of the type of film it is, I would stick Femke in there. Not that uh, Joanna didn't do a nice job, but my mind just went to Femke Jensen. Really? Yeah. Okay. See, I now I can see where you
1: would pick her. I would have picked Mila Jovovich.
0: Oh, I love Mila. She could not have have uh sacrificed herself then. She would have had to make it through the whole movie. I Maybe. I yeah. If I if love MK2. Yeah,
1: if they remade the movie, you never know. There could be like uh th- three final girls with one of them being the Baldwin boy.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay, there you go. Um, Alec, you mean. Um yeah, as Alec, far yeah. as squeaky. <laughs> I would want David L. Lander. Oh, who is that, you may ask? Yeah, it's Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley. Really? That, wouldn't he be a little bit too old? No, well, no, you could play with time. They don't have to be oh, the age oh, they okay, are now. Okay. You can play with time. But I would want him to be Squiggy, but as his character Squiggy. So he'd pop up and go, hello, <laughs> and things like that. That's what I would want. But he would still have the relationship with stevie so there would still be that gay undertone see my pick for squeaky would be john leguizamo oh yours makes a lot of sense yours makes a lot of sense i just i don't know i feel i
1: felt it through the entire thing and it was totally john leguizamo would bring so much gravitas to that right there you know
0: not that mr landers would not i'm just putting that out there but yeah no totally yours totally would yeah And I totally think that ours would have been a viable Hollywood movie as well with these people. Now, you
1: wouldn't replace Jamie Lee at all, but would you make the addition of Tom Atkins in the film?
0: So it would be an additional character and she would be hitchhiking to the boat (laughs) and he would give her a ride and they would just stop off and they would have had sex and he would have had to stand up to show his butt and and she, she would, would say show sketches yeah then, sketches yeah. of
1: her sketches of robots that she made
0: yeah robot sketches yeah. exactly yeah yeah so that's how this would work out for me <laughs> honestly i didn't recast her because there was no one that came to my mind and i didn't recast mr Suther- sutherland because there really wasn't anyone else that came to my mind for that
1: yeah you know honestly it's like donald sutherland was pretty much the perfect pick and jamie lee curtis like she's got so much force behind her that it's really i don't know it's kind of like they're the two really the two main draws of the film you know
0: yes yeah i yeah honestly i'd forgotten that donald was in this i remember jamie lee but i've forgotten donald (laughs) so anyway okay okay, gosh that was a drug out ending um so, our next time we meet, Rob, we're going to be doing Fear No Evil from 1981. It's my pick. Mm-hmm. And that will be my first time seeing that movie. I'm kind of curious to get your spin on this. Um, and, you know, as always, uh, no, I'm jumping ahead. If you want to reach us, I will always be lurking on Instagram at Midnight Mass Creature Cast.
1: That's right. And uh, you can get in contact with us through email at mmccpod at gmail.com for your recommendations or
0: anything else. And kind words. <laughs> <laughs> yes, kind words, yeah. You can even be like, uh, constructive criticism done nicely is always appreciated. So as always, we thank you for joining us because the more the scarier.
1: That's right. And until next time, we hope that you stay spooky. <laughs>